Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, and thank you for joining me on the Mummy Movie Podcast. I certainly hope everyone's doing okay. Um, in this episode, we are going to be looking at the Tales of the Dark Side movie from 1990. More specifically, the Lot 249 segment, as this has to do with a mummy raising from the dead. For this episode, I want to thank um, Personal Isis, who got in contact with me. I was aware of Tales of the Dark Side as a TV programme, but I never actually realised they'd made a film, and I certainly didn't realise that it had anything to do with a mummy rising from the dead, so that was a really nice surprise, actually. In terms of the format for the episode, we shall start with a little background information on the film, then a section on the historical accuracy, and, as usual, finally, I shall review the film. Right. You are a college student who has cheated another student out of a valuable scholarship. However, he is aware of your deceit and will do anything to get revenge. Little do you know that your doom is approaching when he opens the box from Lot 249. So, for those who are unaware, Tales of the Dark Side was an anthology horror TV show which ran from 1983 until 1988. It then ended with this very film which is in itself split into three different stories. The one we are focusing on in this episode is the first of the three stories which was based on a short story written by Arthur Conan Doyle, also called Lot 249. Though, unsurprisingly, there are some substantial differences between the two versions. In terms of the cast, Michael Deke, who also appeared in The Island from 2005, 
and Transformers from 2007 plays The Mummy. Robert Sedwick, who also appeared in Die Hard with a Vengeance, and the TV show 30 Rock plays Lee. Christian Slater, also known from countless films including Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Interview with a Vampire, plays Andy. Stephen Buscemi, known for many films including Reservoir Dogs, Armageddon, and The Big Lebowski, plays Bellingham. And this was also the debut film for Julianne Moore, who later appeared in films such as, well, once again, The Big Lebowski, uh, Boogie Nights, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, and countless others. She plays Susan in this film. So basically put, the cast for this story is surprisingly phenomenal. In this next section, I'll just go over the historical accuracy of the Lot 249 story, seeing what the story does well and poorly. First things first, Bellingham, who's kind of the main character slash main villain, is an avid antiques dealer and manages to purchase an Egyptian mummy. Even when it comes to collecting antiques, there are ethical issues, but these only become magnified when we're talking about human remains. Unsurprisingly, this is partly because mummies aren't simply objects, they are literally human remains. It is also because such items are often not acquired through legal means. As I have spoken about in previous episodes, most notably part two of The Mummy from 1959, in 1970, the UNESCO conference led to many laws being introduced surrounding tomb robbery and the sale of antiquities. Amongst other things, it meant that a country had a right to its own property and history, and in fact, it is now completely illegal for museums to take items that do not have the proper documentation. It also makes it highly dubious that a simple university student would be able to legally purchase an actual mummy. Now, it is fair to say that Bellingham is not a good man, and probably does not care about the legality of this whatsoever. However, later on in the film, a museum curator sees the coffin of the mummy and claims that it would make a good acquisition for his museum. In real life, there is absolutely no way a curator, or at least an honest one anyway, would take such an item as there would be no documentation whatsoever. In terms of the way Bellingham treats the mummy, it's actually really perplexing. He talks about how he wants to sell it for a profit, and then proceeds to go and cut open all of the bandages to see what's inside. It almost feels as if he's got the mummy bandages confused with wrapping paper. It is fair to say that even on the illegal antiquities market, this would seriously damage the value of the mummy. The characters in the film then exclaim that the mummy smells of rotten flowers. In fairness, flowers were used in burials in ancient Egypt. Several mummies have been discovered with their heads crowned in flowers, and further, it is likely that Tutankhamun's mummy had a garland of flowers that were picked specifically for their strong fragrance. However, in general, mummies tend to smell musty, as most of the other smells have long since faded. Bellingham then begins to explain the mummification process. He claims that the embalmer started by shoving a metal hook up the nose and dragging out the brain. 
This is half right. First, the bone in the nose had to be broken. According to Herodotus, a hook was then used to hook out the brain piece by piece. In practice, this seems unlikely as the brain is far too watery for this. And instead, it is likely that the brain was first stirred in order to liquefy it. Therefore, rather than dragging the brain out, it was most likely poured out. However, Bellingham is correct that this was the first step in mummification. Bellingham then shows a cut in the stomach of the mummy, through which he claims the embalmers pulled the internal organs. The cut shown in the film is on the right side of the body, where typically the cut was usually in the left side in real life. However, he is correct that the embalmers did pull the internal organs out of this. He then starts pulling items out of the cut. First, he pulls a bandage out, which contains myrrh and cassia. Both of these spices were indeed used in mummification and were often placed inside the body. Next, he pulls out a whole onion. Onions were occasionally used in mummification, though typically they were more used to replace the eyes. For instance, the body of Ramesses IV had small onions underneath the eyelids that were used for eyes. After this, Bellingham then pulls out an entire scroll from the abdomen. I can say with some certainty that the Egyptians most certainly did not store scrolls inside of the body. Further, scrolls were not commonly stored even in tombs until the New Kingdom, when the Book of the Dead came about. This mummy is supposed to come from the Third Dynasty, which is part of the Old Kingdom, so this is incorrect. And in fact, I believe the oldest Egyptian scroll actually dates to the Fourth Dynasty as it is. Therefore, this film is uneven in terms of historical accuracy, though in fairness, it is slightly more accurate than most mummy movies. It is fair to say that this is largely down to the fact that it is only about half an hour long, and so there really wasn't that much time to get a lot wrong. Okay, so in this final section, I'm just going to review the Lot 249 segment, you know, saying what I like and dislike about it, and whether I actually enjoyed it, essentially. Firstly, although everyone played their parts really well in the film, I felt, for me, that Stephen Buscemi was the standout. You could sort of totally understand his character's motivations, and there was a part of me that felt quite sorry for him because he was essentially being picked on. However, he was still appropriately slimy for the role, and it was never in doubt that he was a bad person. In fact, it is fair to say that there were not really that many nice people in the story, as even the victims of the mummy were portrayed as quite greedy. This is an issue to a degree for me, as I usually like to have someone to root for. However, considering how short the story is, it was not as big a deal as it could have been. Further, I did very much enjoy the way the mummy kills his victims. Although the mummy does not move quickly, his victims are never made to appear foolish, as he either takes them by surprise or they try and fight him. Also, the actual way he takes out his victims is quite gruesome and very silly in the best possible way. With his first victim, for instance, he pulls out his brain using a clothes hanger. 
So basically, with each of his victims, he performs one of the embalming acts to kill them. And it's really stupid to watch, but it is, it is undeniably very entertaining as well. I won't say too much about the other deaths in the film, because ultimately, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but all of the deaths are incredibly entertaining and very, very silly in just the best way. Also, as I'm sure many of my regular listeners would have noticed by now, although I very much love these films, I also have a strangely short attention span for them, and as such, I tend to find a lot of the films drag in the middle. Once again, because of how short this one is, this is not an issue at all, and I remained entertained throughout. It is for this reason that I quite like anthology films, because not only do the stories tend to be quite short, but they are also usually completely insane and very varied. This here is no exception. Basically, it is virtually impossible not to find them at least mildly entertaining. Further, as is usual with anthology films, the stories had a couple of twists at the end, which just made the whole thing incredibly goofy. And when I say goofy, I don't mean that as a negative. It's great. Outside of the Lot 249 story, there were two other anthology-style stories in this film. The first saw a killer cat diving down someone's throat and ripping them up from the inside. And the other saw an artist encountering a gargoyle before meeting the love of his life. Overall, this film got average reviews. On IMDb, it has a rating of 6.2, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a score of 40%. It has generally been compared to both The Twilight Zone and Creepshow, though it is often seen as a slightly weaker entry. For myself, it was hardly the best film I had ever seen, but I also feel that it didn't really need to be. The stories here were all weird and wacky, and were all humorously gruesome and inventive. I mean, films like this are really just supposed to be entertaining, and I, I thought it succeeded at that. Therefore, in terms of the Lot 249 story specifically, I would give it a 7.5 out of 10. However, as a whole, I would give the Tales of the Dark Side movie a 7 out of 10, because where I enjoyed the Cat from Hell story equally to Lot 249, I mean, how could I not like a story where a cat jumps down someone's throat? I felt the final story, Lover's Vow, was a little underwhelming, though it did admittedly have a very good ending. Thank you very much for listening. If this is your first time listening, or you just haven't already, why not consider subscribing? I tend to post new content every Monday, and sometimes on Thursdays as well. And please join me on Monday, where we shall be looking at Legion of the Dead from 2005. I really hope that the remainder of your week is absolutely splendid, and I hope to see you then.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.